I, uh, me and Zach were talking before the service, and uh, I had a confession for Pastor Zach and uh, my prayer partner, Valerie Williams, and our team that uh, I've had this sermon for today done for a week or two. And y'all were so kind, you built slides that looked pretty and they had all the right points on them and all that. And then I came downstairs this morning uh, <clears throat> to have my coffee and kind of read through and pray over my sermon again. And Zach, just as clear as a bell, uh, the Lord says, we're not doing that today. And I, I began a negotiation with the Lord. Y'all ever felt like you do that? It's like, God, I'll tell you what, if you'll let me do this, then I'll do that. How about that? I, like, if you'll let me do my thing today, tomorrow I'll do your thing. Doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, I, you never do that. You're super spiritual, but I, I mean, I do that. So me and the Lord are having this argument. And there came a point in time where, like I've told y'all before, I speak out loud to the Lord. Like me and God are talking. And, um, and if you never had that kind of experience where you feel like you're just having a chat with the Lord, you are missing one of the greatest things in the world. Uh, and so the Lord said, no, we're not going to do that today, but I want you to talk about Ephesians chapter four. And I said, Lord, I got nothing for Ephesians four. I got nothing. I haven't been studying it. I haven't been living in it. I haven't been there, but literally the Lord took me to Ephesians four today. And so I told Zach, and this is what I love about our worship pastor. Uh, Zach just looked at me and he said, well, let's do whatever the God told you to do. And it's like, well, it may not fit with everything. And he's like, who cares? We're going to do exactly what God told us to do. So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to figure out what we're going to do. How about that? God, thank you. I know there are folks in this room right now that are hurting. There are folks online right now. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life and where we go from here. Lord, I, I know our church has got to raise a bunch of money and I'm supposed to talk about money. And now's the time to talk about how we raise money. But Lord, I want to be, I want to be faithful because I believe if we will, God, that you'll take care of all that. So, uh, God, give me every word that these folks are supposed to hear. Give them ears to hear. Quiet our soul, still our mind, that we might know that you are God. And that we're in your house and we've come to hear from you. And in this house of prayer... God, I pray every person here right now watching online, Lord, that you would step into their life and you would bring them a peace and you would bring them a freedom found only in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. So I uh, thank you, Zach, for that. I, I'm grateful for your patience with me. I, I, I don't really know how to describe this, but I was, I was backstage when y'all started singing Revelation song. And the Lord brought me to this passage in the Gospel of John chapter 15. Now, I know you're used to seeing them up there, but they have no idea what I'm doing because I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just trying to be obedient today, so I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry at all. I, I heard you say you're not going to apologize. I'm not either. John 15 in verse 1 says, and if you can figure out this is Jesus speaking, he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. 
for apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, it will be granted. And when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. Now, when I read that text, one of the things that I'm reminded of is that one phrase that is overwhelming or should be overwhelming to each one of us, and that is, we can do nothing apart from him. That you and I, what we offer to this world, what we offer to God is totally worthless and like filthy rags compared to what we offer in the power of Christ. Now, I spoke Wednesday night on our Wednesday midweek, and if you haven't watched it yet, I encourage you to go back and watch it on Facebook or on YouTube. But I talked about how the righteousness of Christ is like if I take this jacket off, then I put it back on. We wear the righteousness of Christ. When we are attached to the vine, you and I have the ability to receive the life-giving sap that only God can give us, which is his righteousness. Now, the, defi- the definition of righteousness is that you do that which is right, which means you don't do that which is wrong. But it's not about your behavior. This isn't about whether you check all the boxes or do all the right things. Righteousness is not on you because in your righteousness, you offer nothing. But Christ offers to you his righteousness and says there in the gospel of John that if you remain attached, if you abide in Christ day by day by day by day, you will have everything that you need. Now, when I look at the world today, I am just, I am just sickened by it, aren't you? I mean, I look at the world today and I think to myself, what an incredibly confused place. It's amazing to me when I look at our world today and I recognize that not only is it filled with dissension and hatred and hate speech, but it is confused. We live in a world that is radically confused. Now, let me just stop and say, uh, next week, I'm starting a two-week series called the, The Church and Politics. And specifically, Sugar Hill Church and the presidential election. That should be fun, right? But let me just stop and say, righteousness doesn't wear red or blue. Righteousness wears Christ. Righteousness doesn't wear what you politically believe. Righteousness wears Jesus and Jesus alone. Well, you say, well, what does that have to do with Ephesians chapter 4? Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, it has three primary pictures. One of them talks about the power of unity, unity in the body of Christ. When we all discover that we are a powerful group when we have gathered together in the name of Jesus. Now, let's just stop and say, we have unique and radically different people in this room. We have people that are black and white and Hispanic and Asian. We have people all across the spectrum. We have people in here that have a lot of money. We got people in here that have no money. We have people here that have more degrees than a thermometer, and we have people that never finished elementary school. We have folks across the board, but what we're talking about in unity in Ephesians chapter 4 is a unity that gives all power, all glory, all righteousness to the hand of Christ that he willingly bestows to us. But he does that when we choose to live in unity, now watch this, in 
and around his power, not ours. When we choose to allow him to be in charge, when we have a unity that cannot be overwhelmed, here's what it says in Ephesians chapter four, verse one. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. Now this is Paul. And Paul is saying that in, in, in verse one, I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner. And, and because I'm a prisoner, I want you to know why I'm a prisoner. I've been locked up because I've been serving the Lord. Now, you might look at that and say, well, you talk about a guy that knew what it was like to live in an oppressed world. Yeah, absolutely. He says, I'm a prisoner serving the Lord. Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you, you have been called by God. Now you say, okay, Chuck, now we're talking about preachers and folks like that. And, but Paul's talking to you. Paul's talking to you. Paul's saying, if you are and you have If you are a Christian, if you have followed Jesus, if you've chosen to put on his righteousness, then he says you've been called by God. Listen to the rest of it. Always be humble and gentle. Always be humble and gentle. Could I just stop and say, um, I can't wait for the political ads to stop. I am so sick of hearing people scream at one another. I am so tired of adults acting like four-year-olds arguing and fussing and fighting and telling everybody they're liars when we already know that. And by the way, that's true on both sides. I mean, we're screaming at each other and fussing at each other and going on. And scripture says, listen, if you've been called, if, you, if you've answered God's call and you have chosen to be a follower of Jesus, Paul says, listen, be humble. Always be humble. Be gentle. If there's anything America could use a dose of is humility and gentleness. I believe we're about to face a lot of humility. But will it lead us to gentleness? Let's go on. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now, let me just stop and say, there's a couple phrases in here that will light you up. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. If we were playing Family Feud, Steve Harvey would be, that's what we'd be getting X's all the way there. So what are the things that, that Christians show in the world today? So here's what I want you to imagine, all right? Let's just say we've got two contestants right here, right now, ready to play the game. And Steve Harvey is up there and he says, okay, out of 100 people, what are the things that we see in people that claim to be Christians in America today? And they go to slap the button. Would any of those 100 and definitely would any of the ones that they hit the button and started to play, would we hear these things? Would we hear they've been called by God, they're humble, they're gentle, they're patient, they make allowance for each other's faults because they love one another. They're united. They bind themselves together because they are at peace. Would we hear any of that? Would anybody look at America and say, that's us today? And I got to tell you, if anybody looks at America and says, that's us today, we'd have to say, wait a minute, where have you been? You're not living in the same America I'm living in. But he goes on, he's not done yet. He says, for there's one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Now watch this. So 
Paul is making a point while he's in prison of saying we should be united because there's only one God and we are bound by him, with him, to him. And when we are, we receive the ability, like John said, to abide in his spirit, in his power, in his love, and we can receive everything necessary to live wildly successful in America when we choose to act and function like this. The problem is we like it our way. I mean, we are the Burger King of Christians. We want to have it our way. But God, I tell you what, I, I get the humility part. And if those people would become humble, we'd be good. I get the gentleness part, but I got to tell you, if they would become more humble, that'd be awesome. And the Lord is saying, wait a minute, I had an inscripted Paul to write this. I inspired him to write this because I want believers in 2020 sitting in Sugar Hill Church and watching online to know that I'm talking to them. I'm not talking to those folks. I'm, Chuck, I'm talking to you. Sugar Hill, I'm talking to you. That these are the things. But listen to what he says in verse 7. However, he's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scriptures say, he, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, how, to ascend, that means that at, at some point he descended. So the story here is that Jesus left the portals of heaven came to this filthy, nasty earth, and you say, well, what is it was the parade that he brought back? Well, in the old times, in the Old Testament, when a king would come and conquer a land, what they would do is have a parade when they all came home. And they would march in that parade the people that they had held captive from taking over the land. And the people would cheer and they would march through. Jesus is speaking to a people that understood what that was like. And here's what he said. I came from heaven and descended to this place, earth. I was born of a virgin. I lived a sinless life. I performed miracles and taught. And then I went back to heaven awaiting the time that I'll return. But between now and then, the people that came with me were all those that chose to believe in me. And the parade into heaven were folks like my mom and my dad and my sister, my grandparents, who had chosen to follow Jesus and live for Jesus and to trust Jesus for all eternity. I wonder today if you're going to be in that, in, in that march. I wonder today if you're one of those people that say, well, you know, Chuck, that's me. I, I know if America's got America's to be great, I've got to become better. Then that means somewhere along the way, you've got to get in the march. You've got to say, Jesus, I'm going to trust in you. I want to skip over to verse 14 that says, uh, and this was the one verse that these guys had, so shoot that up there if you would, guys. Then we will no longer be immature like children. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. The first message talks about unity. Then he says, if we choose to follow Jesus and be unified in the power of Christ, we will no longer be immature like children. Just leave that up there, guys. You say, well, Chuck, I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. I guess the question we've got to ask ourselves is, are we grown physically and by our age? But does our spiritual maturity match that or is it lagging generations behind? I've spent most of my 10 years here as a pastor of this church talking about how we're supposed to serve outside, how we're to go and how we're to give and how we're to serve and how we're to love and how we're to be open and gracious to everybody and that we're to be a church that's welcoming and that anybody and everybody could be here and could worship. 
But I fear of and saying, but we've got to grow up, become more like Christ. We can't just, we just can't keep going and giving if we're not growing. And it's easy to say, well, we're going to grow by how many people are in here. That's, that's much easier to count. The easiest thing in the world is to say, well, listen, we're killing it if we've just got more people. But I don't, I don't think the Lord Jesus looks at Sugar Hill Church and says, I'll tell you, you guys are killing it down there. Because I think we have spiritually immature babies all across Sugar Hill Church that literally are trying to do good things, but there's nothing happening on the inside where the Spirit of God is welling up and saying, you're my kid, grow up. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Ouch. Put the scripture back up there, guys. We won't be tossed around. We won't be blown around by every wind of new teaching. Just leave it up there for right now. You say, well, Chuck, listen, I'm not out there. I'm not a part of a cult. I'm not following somebody that's unbiblical. I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm not doing anything. I may come to church, but I don't read the scriptures. I don't pray. I don't give. I don't get in a group. I'm not growing. I show up for church because honestly, that's how I tip God. I give him an hour on Sunday morning and I show up and that should be enough for the week, right? Then we will no longer be immature like children. Here's what I believe that scripture says right at the top. That many of us treat our Christian life like a to-do list. I prayed. I forced myself to read scripture. I was nice this week today. Uh, I may have jotted a thought or two down. It's possible I was, I was grateful. I definitely prayed before my meals. I'm good. And I would just say, if you've done all those things, good for you. But, but as a mature believer, walking with Christ is not a to-do list. Walking with Christ is a cyclical pattern of abiding and holding onto that vine. And it never stops as you roll your way through the day. It never ceases be one more step growing more toward Christ. See, here's the challenge. Our journey toward Christ-likeness never stops this side of heaven. Christ-likeness never has been more significant than today. And so when I look at this and I say, wait a minute, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Watch this. The new teaching that he's talking about when he wrote to the church in Ephesus were people that were distorting the scriptures, that were distorting the message of Christ, that were adding to or deleting from, making it either extra biblical or unbiblical. And he's saying anything that does either of those Those are not what mature people believe. That's what babies believe. So when you hear somebody say, you just give enough and God will bless you, then I want you to know that's what immature people believe. When you say, well, listen, I've been given the gift of healing as an individual, that's what babies believe. Because all healing and all gifts and everything good comes from heaven, not from one another. Anything good I offer this world is because of Jesus, not because of me. It is in spite of me. He says, we are no longer going to be little bitty babies that are just, just sucking on a bottle and just want that sweet milk because honestly, I don't want to have to be challenged to chew. 
I was eating a piece of steak with Mal a couple weeks ago and one of my crowns came out. Y'all ever had that happen? It's like you bite down and it's like, that doesn't belong there. So I went back to my dentist and I, she was putting it back. And I said, you're not gonna believe this. She said, bubble gum? No, ma'am. Well, what were you? I said, I was eating steak. She you really are getting old, aren't you? Thank you. But you know what? We need to learn how to chew on some spiritual steak. We got to stop being immature. Listen to what it says again. Don't be tossed and blown about with what everybody else says you should believe. We live in a world today that says there's that this book here, let's just make it up as we go. Let's, let's just come up with our own rules because we don't have to pay attention to what God has to say. Listen, friend, I'd rather grow a church down to 50 if we're willing to stick with God than I would grow it to 5,000 and throw away the scripture because we got to be a people that know we are people of the book. We are a people of the scripture. We are a people that God says, this is my way that you're to do church and you're to do life. He goes on and says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Come on, has there ever been a time to hear that more than today? Okay, you say, well, listen, but Chuck, how am I gonna know the truth? How, how can I discern what that scripture is saying? How am I gonna know when people are trying to trick me with lies so clever they sound like truth? How do I discern the difference between the two? I'm gonna give you the greatest lesson. I had no idea we were gonna go here, but I wanna give you the greatest lesson ever known to man on this one right now. People come to my office and I always say, how do I know, Pastor Chuck, that this is the will of God? How do I know that? All right, you ready? Have you talked to God about it? Let's start there. Have you had any talk with the Lord about it? I told you about my challenge this morning in trying to negotiate with the Lord. Could I just stop and say to you, our God doesn't negotiate. Our God lovingly directs. And lovingly, sometimes he has to thump me on the head to get my attention. Does anybody else have that problem? Well, I, I'm reminded when I think about that, I, that when I look at this and I think to myself, wait a minute, I, if I talk with God about it, that means I have to hush to listen to what he has to say about it. You see, most of us treat prayer like a one-way dialogue. We're just like, like some of us, you know, you introverts are like, God, give me a great day. Amen. We're good. And you extroverts who's like, you just babble on with God forever, you know? And all the while, I believe what's happening here is that we are, we are a people that fundamentally have to learn to stop and hear from God. We must stop and listen. Talk to God, listen to God. Then let me ask you a question. Have you ever sought scripture out as a directive for how you're supposed to respond? Did you know, watch this now, for those of you that don't know beans about the scripture, and that's okay, that's most of us, all right? Did you know that if you go to the, to the, to, to go to the Google, if you go to the Google, then you can literally say Bible verse about, and it'll take you there. Now, here's what I say. If you don't know much about scripture, use the New Living Translation. All right, it'll help you. By the way, it's what I'm preaching from today. All right, use the New Living Translation and just say script, Bible verses about. Don't use scripture, say Bible verses about. It will take you to those scriptures. Now, listen to me. Don't, don't, don't plug into what somebody else thinks about it. Just read what God said, all right? This isn't about a commentary. Just go in there and figure out this is what God has to say. Once that happens, let me give you the third step. 
Talk with somebody you know is walking with God because you can't hide people who walk with God. Ask them to pray with you and for you and then ask them what they think God might be telling them to encourage you with. And if you want to know how to figure out how to discern that, this is how we know what is truth and what is not. Let's get back to the scripture though. In verse 15, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. There's three statements in that one sentence, all right? The first part says this, we will speak truth in love. We must be a people, if we're going to be a people of the book, if we're going to be a people of Christ, we've got to do as Christ did and speak truth, but speak it in love. Now, here's, here's the definition of truth and love, especially in 2020, that we can disagree and be civil. We can be gracious with those who are not, and we can always be grateful for what we have because when you're grateful for what you have, what you have is always enough. But when we aren't those things, we don't speak truth and love. You say, well, Chuck, I want to be a person who speaks in love. How in the world do I equip myself to be a person that speaks in love? Okay, you ready? When you get up and look in the mirror in the morning, your prayer, literally look in the mirror with your eyes open, it can be, Lord, today, would you give me the ability to speak no lie, no white lie, no baby lie, no little lie, would you give me the, the, the ability to be a truth speaker today and do that with so much love that people are attracted to the message you have in my soul today. You say, well, Chuck, I, listen, I, I, I don't want to have to tell people the truth. If I tell people the truth, that I'm, I'm going to bruise the fruit. I'm going to hurt them. Well, according to Proverbs, if you're not speaking the truth to them, you're not fulfilling God's mission for you today. That we're to speak truth in love. Now watch this. That's the first part. But the second part says growing in every way. Yeah, we should grow numerically because healthy things grow. We should grow spiritually because Christ is alive within us and we are hungry to become more like the third part of this that says that we're growing not just physically but spiritually become more and more and more like Jesus. Friend, listen, this church must grow to become more like Christ all day, every day, or we have totally missed the mission God has for us. Now, I'm, I'm, I, I literally just about start saying something and my flesh said, don't do it. And literally the spirit of God said, just go ahead and say it, all right? Y'all might fire me over this one, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. We do need you to give. But honestly, we need you to grow more than we need you to give. We, we got to have people around us that grow up to become more like Christ. And when you do, you'll give out of love, not, 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 out, not out of convenience. But I don't need you to grow because you'll give. I need you to grow because you're going to become more like Christ. And when we're more like Christ, I'm telling you, the church will be alive. You say, well, I, I want to end racism in America. Fine, become more like Christ. I, I, I want to do away with, I want to do away, church, with all, uh, with, with all the foolishness and the anger and the hate speech in America, then become more like Christ. Well, Chuck, I, I'm sick and tired of people just blasting me on Facebook and become more like Christ. But Chuck, how, how do you do? listen to the rest of it? 
He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of, what's that last word? Whoa. You say, well, Chuck, then how do I know I'm a part of a church that God is honoring and Jesus is in charge of? Well, look at this. You're, you're gonna know it when you're a part of a church that makes the whole body fit together perfectly because that's God's plan for you, that you have a space in which you're to grow up and become more like Christ in his church. You are sitting in his temple today, but you are his church. And so you today have a part in this because each part does its own special work. What is your special work in the kingdom? And you never know it until you grow up. It helps the other parts grow too. So now watch this. This is the beautiful thing. Old Vic back there, when he's doing his part, then what happens is he's helping Quran do his part. And Quran, and when he's helping do his part, then it helps Chuck do does his part. And when Charlie does his part, then Mike does his part. And it keeps on going until he gets over here to Julius and Julius does his part. And before long, we're all growing up in Christ. We're all becoming his church and we're all discerning what is truth, which is scripture and scripture alone. One amen would be awesome. In verse 17, which they don't have a screen for, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now you're saying, okay, I get all the bad stuff in there, but who is he talking to? Who are these Gentiles that he's talking about? Okay, now remember this. You've heard me say this before, but it's been a long time. To understand scripture in the context of 2020, you must understand it in the context in which it was written. All right, you cannot understand what scripture means for you today if you don't dig a little bit to figure out what the context was then. In the context at that point, the scripture is saying, Jesus has come. And he's come that he might impart his authority that we are no longer to live like people without Christ within us because if Christ wasn't in us, this would be all the things that we would do. And don't be angry with people who don't act like this because these people are just acting like lost people. The problem is when we Christians act like people that aren't Christians. When the church, when people, when you go out there and people see us throughout the week and they wonder, are you really Christians or not? What is the problem? And the problem is we decided to not live for Christ and put on his righteousness and stay abiding in the vine. So I've tried to say what I believe the Lord had me to say today. And I may have put all of you to sleep. But let me just stop and say this. Let us never become a church that ceases the great desire to grow up in Christ. 
that let us never be a church that takes on social work without the presence of Jesus in it. Let us never be a church that goes because it's convenient and fun, but we're a church that functions and acts in the message of Christ found in the word of God and directed by the spirit of God. Let us be a church that doesn't pray so we segue through our service, but, but we pray to literally walk into the presence of the creator God. And let us be a church that doesn't stop going because Jesus said this is what we're to do. But let us always be a church. Let us always be a church that says, I'm going to grow up in Christ. I'm going to trust God's word. And when I do, I can't help but go. I can't help but pray. I can't help but serve. And I can't help but give. And you know what? This is the message of Christ. That's the Sugar Hill way. And I would just say to all of us as a church, let us not grow weary in doing not just good, but Christ-like, God-directed, inspired, scripture-honoring church. I love you, church. I'm so grateful you give me this kind of freedom. And I promise you, I'll try my best to be better next week. But I want you to know how grateful I am for you. Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. Lord, you are holy. You are precious. In you, we find all things that are holy and right and good and righteous. God, today we want to wrap ourselves in your righteousness. Today we want to trust you with all that we have. God, for people online or watching just in this room, then God, I I pray right now you'd speak in their life and bring their soul to life. Let your spirit do what only it can do. Holy Spirit, step into our lives, become alive inside of us. Waken our minds that we might be renewed. Awaken our souls that we might be people that are moved and, and charged into action. God, awaken our heart that we might want to grow up and become more like you and be not like the wicked world, but we might speak truth in love. That we might be a people that are of the book and know the book and grown by the book and directed by the book. And may we be a people that would act like you more and more every day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Our holy, holy, holy Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's worship quickly before we go. Holy, holy, amen. Holy amen. Lord God Almighty, amen. In the morning, our song shall rise to thee.
Sing it, church. Come on, sing it, church. God Almighty. Friend, listen, regardless of what this world may offer, Jesus offers everything better. Regardless of what this world may offer in hate and anger and confusion and bitterness, Christ offers an answer of truth and peace like nothing else and is the only truth and the only peace that is eternal. So this week, let this Jesus we talked about go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. That's what he does. And you might say, well, Chuck, but Jesus has got a lot of people that's messed up more than me. He needs to worry about them. Listen to me, friend. Jesus is worried about everybody equally because there's more than enough Jesus to go around. So let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment. Because I love this. He is always good. Grab yourself a little bit right here. Just hug yourself right now. Go ahead, just hug yourself a little bit. And you are always loved. Come on, that's good. And this week, as things get difficult and dark, let him come behind you and look at you and pick you up and you think man how can he do that well listen he can hold the whole world you're nothing and he picks you up and he grabs you and he holds you and you lay your head on his shoulder and he says to you I've got you I'm going to carry you right through the middle of this problem don't close your eyes I want you to see it happen I want you to see me walk you through the middle of it, not around it, because when you get on the other side and I set you down victoriously on your two feet and I wipe away your tears and I kiss you on the forehead, I want you to know that it was my power that delivered you. It was my hand that guided you. It was my word that promised you. And when I set you down and I wipe your tears and I kiss you on the forehead, remember these words, because I'm going to wrap my arms around you and say, my child, say it with me, I love you. I love you, church. Go in peace.